0: Hello, I'm Jim White. Welcome to It's Friday, your lockdown life guide to the best of the arts, culture and entertainment that's available without leaving your front room. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google and leave us a review. And don't forget to sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk. So, who else would you prefer to spend some isolation time with than the great Ricky Gervais, who returns to Netflix with a new series of Afterlife? People think all those things I miss doing with Lisa, I could just do them anyway. They're missing the point. I miss doing nothing with Lisa. And talking of returns, we'll be getting to the core of Fiona Apple's comeback album.
1: Ooh, my nation's on the lumen enough the parallax. And the foam and the the keeps turning out more and more
0: Plus, since none of us is able to go out We'll have to let the action come to us In the new Chris Hemsworth blockbuster, Extraction
2: This is an extraction So who are the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh <laughs> That's some mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping Drug lord's son <laughs>
0: First, it's been a heck of a week for the BBC's iPlayer. The service registered its busiest day ever on Monday with some 20.4 million programme streams being downloaded in just 24 hours. And many of those, it seems, are box sets. We might complain about repeats when they're on the telly, but when it comes to working out our own schedules, we can't get enough of the old stuff, like Idris Elba battering everything in Luther.
3: Did nothing to you, Alice. Neither did my
1: parents, really, or Henry Madsen. You never seemed to mind, really, though, did you? But what are you gonna do this time, DCI loose, sir? Arrest me? Well, yes, you should. But you won't, will you? You'll let me go. Because think of the tales
2: I could tell.
0: And we can't stop cooking with Diesel with Line of Duty.
2: What have we got? Hijack of a transport by armed men wearing balaclavas.
0: Three police officers murdered in cold blood.
2: The hijack required a police insider.
4: My team will get to the root of anything.
0: Joining me to suggest which box sets we might all binge on now we're being confined to our front rooms for a while yet. I'm delighted to say, uh, Claudia Connell, the Daily Mail's television guru, and Brian Viner, the Mail's master of the cinema. Uh, Claudia, what have you been binging on?
2: Well,
1: I've I've been watching, well, rewatching, um, Kath and Kim on Netflix. They've got um, they've got all of the um, the series. of oh, six series, I think, running, and I. It was screened here. I think the BBC screened it here. It was about 15 years old. Um, I remember it.
0: I, yeah. I loved Kath and Kim. I thought they were very, very funny. Two Aussie kind of middle-aged women, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was a mother and a daughter. And it was um, the, It was written by these two women. Hang on, let me look. It was um, Jane Turner played Kath, who's this middle-aged mum. And then Gina Riley plays her daughter, Kim, who's just really spoiled, rude, horrible person and it's just about their, it's, just about, it's about their life. There was, it opens with um, Kath about to remarry to the local butcher, Kel, and she's, um, she's determined, she's reinvented herself as this sort of feminist and she wants to pay for her own wedding. I think we might actually have a clip. I have to make a down payment of
2: $1,000 by tomorrow
1: on my pumpkin style coach. You don't realise that Brian is at me hammer and tongue. Well, why don't you tell
3: Kel to kick in? No, I can't do that. I'm paying for this wedding for myself. Don't ask me why, but I have my reasons. All I know is that if I can't pay for a really ritzy wedding for myself, then I won't get married at all.
2: Oh, so you're gonna call the wedding off
1: because of a pumpkin-style coach? You're being stupid, Mum. Oh, stupid, am
3: I? Is Cinderella stupid, Kim? What? She had a pumpkin-style coach and she lived happily ever after. Read your history books, Q.
0: So it wasn't a great success at the time, Claudia. Did we all miss out? I mean, should we have Um, been watching?
1: Yes, I I think it it was kind of, it was huge in Australia. It was was a bit like their sort of ab fab, really, but it it slipped under the radar here. So, uh, yeah, if people have a chance and they have Netflix, it's definitely worth checking out. Very funny.
4: And Brian, what have you been binging on? Well, I'm feeling a bit bereft jim because um better call saul which is one of my absolute favorites uh, has just finished or at least season five has just come to an end and better call saul as you'll know is the prequel to breaking bad which uh, which was utterly utterly brilliant How are you
5: Saul? it's all good man <laughs> <got> cold, ladies. <laughs> it's showtime folks i'm a lawyer not a criminal i want you to be happy you didn't want me. Slipping Jimmy with a law degree is like a chip with a machine gun. I remember you saying something about doing the right thing. Well, you know what? It's never stopping me
4: again. The best Course All is similarly brilliant and actually it's going on for even longer than Breaking Bad did because it will go to a to a sixth season. But that's... Came to an end this week, so I've got. I'm. I'm I have my uh, all my grown up children about with us uh, in lockdown. So, um, which is actually when it comes to watching to binging, it's actually very helpful because I recommend stuff to them and they recommend stuff to me that we wouldn't otherwise see. So, I have been able to recommend The Sopranos to them, which they are. Beginning and so that gives me an excuse because I think it is the greatest TV series of all time, uh, personally. Uh, drama, you know, of that kind. And so I've been going delving back into the, those early episodes, which is absolutely fantastic. And anybody who uh, is listening who has never seen it should see it, as long as you don't mind a bit of violence, a bit of bad language. But it's a brilliant account of a, of a New Jersey mob family. And and um, we have a clip anyway. Let's listen to it. Sorry, Paulie.
5: I can't find Pussy
0: anywhere. Nobody knows anything. I haven't seen him since the Schwitz. Did he at least take the Schwitz? He refused to take his clothes off. The rat. So is that that's available what? On on Sky?
4: Is it available? It's not on iPlayer, is it? no no it's, uh, it's uh, well Amazon Prime you can find it Netflix I think have it we've also got the, the we've lucky in that we've got the box sets as well so it but it's is, easy enough to track down Is oh, it? you can find it very easily yeah 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 absolutely so they have similarly introduced to me uh, introduced me to a couple of dark comedies which are absolutely brilliant and also eminently bingeable because they are short episodes one of them is called Barry and it stars Bill Hader as a sort of slightly reluctant hitman a former I think he's a former Marine who uh, is from the Midwest and he's sent out by his kind of handler to uh, Los Angeles where he's got to carry out a a hit its it's funny but it's very dark let's listen to a clip these people I take out they're bad people the money's good it's a job
0: yep hey man
3: are you seeing this beautiful morning what are you doing how are you
0: what am I doing I'm set up here like you asked me to.
3: Oh,
4: right, duh. This hit is urgent.
2: This is Ryan Madison.
1: Familiar to my slaughterous thoughts.
4: Hey, man, are you new to this class? help me out? Ryan, you're up. I'm gonna do the scene with him. And action.
0: What do I, I don't know what to say. Wow, wow. The acting class made me feel really good. I feel really motivated
5: right now. These are professional actors. They're the real deal, and they say I got something. You're a killer, bird Acting to direct conflict, being someone who anonymously kills people.
0: I've, I've had a similar experience to you, uh, Brian, in that uh, my uh, son, that he's living with us um, in, in, in isolation as well, and um, he has been completely binging on every single episode of Peep Show, and there's nine series of oh, yeah. Peep mm. Show.
5: Oh, no. Will you two stop
1: electrocuting each
0: other? I need help. I need therapy. I'm going to become a therapist. It's just another dream, like being a pop star or a front bottom inspector. He's introduced me to that. I'd, I'd never really watched it. And what, what he was telling me that's so brilliant about it is that many of the conventions of, of, that sort of broke the fourth wall before Fleabag did and so on, and it, it kind of has. The contrast between the inner thoughts of the character and what they actually say, which is, of course, always grounds for great humor. David Mitchell, Robert Webb, really great. Olivia Coleman's in there, a brilliant series. But what's interesting about doing it as a box set, he says, is that you can follow kind of technological developments in socializing because it went on for Ten years, I think, and you know they start off with pretty old tech handsets, and by the end they've got smartphones, and you realise quite yeah. what smartphones are doing to the way we socialise. Not that we're going to be socialising for a long time yet, <laughs> Claudia.
1: No, I've got well, I've, I've got another recommendation actually. I've I've also rewatched. A, a, there was a BBC drama called Thirteen before BBC Three became just a streaming service. It actually was a channel, but quite a. Little Watch channel and this screen down there it's Jodie Comer is the star it was her breakthrough role she's obviously now really famous as as Killing Eve so I think if if people aren't really feeling the latest series of Killing Eve it's a good one to check out she was kidnapped as a 13 year old and she turns up 13 years later and it's it's a really sort of compelling drama because the story that she's telling doesn't quite add up
3: we're here to interview a female who alleges she's been a missing person for the last 13 years
1: you believe me don't you I'm Ivy Moxham. Was taken 13 years ago.
0: I've just escaped. Please help me. Reports that their daughter Ivy, snatched as a 13-year-old in 2003, has been found alive. I don't know that one. That's yeah. a, when, was, Again, when was that out then?
1: I think that was out probably about three years ago.
0: We've all got the time, uh, yeah, Claire and Brian. A, yeah. We've got the time to delve back into the past. That's what we, we have. Should. Yeah. Thanks for your recommendations. Unlike some of us, this week's guest decided a while ago that there was more to life than being just a journalist. So she stepped out of the comfort zone of deadlines and newspaper articles to become a stand-up comic. And so good was Viv Groxop at telling gags in public. So good was her material that she's developed into one of the country's most in-demand motivational speakers. And she's written a number of best-selling books on the art of self-improvement. Her latest, Lift As You Climb, Women and the Art of Ambition, is out now. Uh, Only one question, really, Viv. Now, like the rest of us, you're confined to home. Uh, Are you missing being on stage telling jokes?
3: Yeah, I think um, I I am missing... It's not so much even being in front of an audience, but being around people. And I think a lot of people who make their living from getting up and talking, uh, they are missing that experience. I think it's different for different people, um, what we go through when we're in this lockdown situation. And I think there is a feeling that people who are extroverted respond to this in a different way than people who are introverted who perhaps enjoy the chance to you know be able to just be alone with your own thoughts I mean to me it's just like hell on earth you know (laughs) I love to just be around other people and not just like me being on transmit at them uh, although obviously there's always an element of that for people who do stand up um, but to be having that moment of connection with people you know I think The really interesting thing about Zoom and lots of the other on screen technologies and WhatsApp conversations and all of these new technologies that we're using to connect with each other, I think people are recognizing the true value of what being in the room really means, you know, that face-to-face connection, eye contact, the feeling of atmosphere and ambiance. These are things that we all really thrive on and love, you know, whether you're the one who likes being in the spotlight or you're the one who likes the feel of being in a crowd, they are such important things for the feeling of being a human being, you know. Yeah, but
0: I, I, I accept all of that. I totally agree with you. But I bet the first thing people say to you when they meet you is, isn't being <laughs> on stage making people laugh the scariest thing you could do?
3: I uh, mean, yeah, it terrifies do.
0: most of us, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they
3: do say that. And I found it really fascinating when I first started doing stand-up about 10 years ago that people would always say that to me. And I found that was totally normal because I'd only just started doing it. And so obviously I did think it was scary um, because know it is it's you know known for being one of the most triggering uh, responses in terms of your adrenaline and all of your reactions you know we're trained to not want to be in that spotlight to not want to be isolated from everybody else to not want to be in that position of judgment but what I found really interesting when I first started doing stand-up was that I would meet people who were really successful, uh, famous, on-TV people, and they would also get asked that question. And I found that really fascinating. I think it's something that never goes away for people, no matter how successful you are or how much stage experience you've got. And the reality is, for people who do it for a living and who do it really because they love it, Is that for them? It's more scary to not do it, and they don't. Ah, so
0: you're you're being scared at the moment, then, because you're not doing it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think lots of people who are performers, and it's not just stand up as well. It's uh, you know singers, actors, um, musicians, all kind of performers. You know, you you get this uh, feeling of connection and this adrenaline rush, and you know, quite a meaningful feeling of yeah, this is where I'm meant to be and this is what I'm meant to be doing. And when that gets taken away, yeah, it's, it's really horrible.
0: In lockdown, everyone's gone Zoom crazy, even Parliament's uh, doing Zoom. But but can you get a laugh on Zoom? Does it, does it work for comedy?
3: That is the most important question. Uh, yeah, there's a major problem on Zoom with timing. I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. It's to do with the way that it processes voice and audio. So as soon as it hears the beginning of a sound, it transfers onto that person. So often when you're making a joke, you're riffing off the back of somebody else or you're using the timing to cut across what they're saying. It it can often almost come across as an interruption. And in everyday life when we're face to face, we do this very easily. You know, if you think about how you banter in a pub, it's all about the art of interaction and the art of interruption it's that timing that can make it funny and zoom completely messes that up because you will lose the end of what the last person said as your interruption comes in and it will also come across as a lot more aggressive and clumsy so yeah i, I really have not figured out how to tell an elegant joke on zoom without looking like a real tryhard. hard Did
0: you done far more than than just stand-up comedy i mean you are brilliant at it i saw you at uh, the edinburgh festival about 2015 and uh, it blew blew me away but you've you've used that and gone on to much greater uh, things uh, in, in and that's probably unfair nothing is greater than making a room <laughs> laugh but no you've gone on to do you know motivational speaking uh, th- that kind of thing
3: when I first started doing more presentations and motivational talks um, and all the stuff I do around how to own the room, which is the podcast that I do. I do live events off the back of that that are all about trying to teach people about performance. Initially I could see that on the surface, the events were very successful and that people were very happy and that the, the feedback afterwards was very positive. But for me personally, I would often feel that they'd failed because the audience hadn't laughed as much as they would laugh in a stand-up show and I was so used to gauging you know I think it's um but a very famous stand-up comedian said in stand-up you have to get a laugh every 20 seconds with you know religious regularity otherwise you failed and I think it was Lenny Bruce who said that Um, and in uh, normal speaking in a presentation you know if you get one laugh every three minutes then people will think you're absolutely hilarious (laughs) so when you come off like you say you and also you might do much longer performances as well like in stand-up if you do a comedy night you do 20 minutes an edinburgh show is 45 minutes or 50 minutes but a big public speaking lecture could be up to 90 minutes and you just have a completely different feeling from the audience. And it, it can be confusing if you're used to getting the stand-up reaction.
0: You've, you've uh, spoken to many great uh, uh, female uh, speakers, Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton, Julie Andrews. Now, come on. that is a, that, that that was a big moment, uh, I would imagine. Who, who's the best you've seen?
3: Uh, the best I've seen and who I would kill, kill, kill to interview, obviously, is Oprah Winfrey. Um, I was lucky enough uh, to see her in Atlanta. It was about 10 years ago and it was on her, she does an annual O conference for her magazine, which is for about 2000 people. And it was in this huge uh, venue in Atlanta. And I was very close to the front and she spoke for an hour and I literally felt that i had had a religious experience it was quite frightening i felt this hour pass in the blink of an eye you're a,
0: a very seasoned journalist and you've written a lot of books uh, lift as you climb is is your latest which is about women and the art of ambition um is it an art or is it a science
3: <laughs> well i've been thinking about renaming it lift as you crawl Uh, uh, seeing as it's come out right on the heels of the global pandemic um yeah uh, ambition is something that i wanted to tackle for a long time because in all these events i was doing around how to own the room uh, and the conversations i was having in the podcast A lot of the questions that come up for women around this idea of public speaking and owning the room and, you know, what I call the art of brilliant speaking, they all related really to ambition because a lot of them would be about... What do I do if somebody's judging me at work who thinks I'm too competitive? What do I do if my boss thinks that I'm sticking my neck out too far? What do I do if I keep getting interrupted in meetings? How do I ask for pay rise? All of these things. And I was finding that people don't necessarily have a forum in which they can ask those questions or share their experiences. And a lot of it is really to do with how comfortable you feel about ambition, in inverted commas. And I'm trying to investigate in this book, Lift As You Climb, what we mean by this word ambition and whether we still think that it's all a bit kind of Alexis Colby, Gordon Gecko, pushing everybody out of the way, sharp elbows, or whether we can reinvent it in a way that's much more altruistic so that As you lift yourself and you do what you need to do to get ahead, you're also thinking about how you can take other people with you.
0: If we're going to fulfill our ambition, what is your one tip that you would say is Uh,
3: essential? Fulfilling your ambition. Oh, that's a really, that's a good one. I guess the most important thing for me is to be comfortable with your own definition of ambition and accept that it's going to be completely different from everyone else's if you can get really really comfortable with that and recognize that the thing that you want is never going to be the thing that someone else wants then it's much easier to to go after it and feel completely unapologetic about it so very very pat and very self-helpy but you know i love oprah like be more you
0: (laughs) And your ambition, uh, Viv, is presumably to get Oprah onto How to Own the Room.
3: Oh, my God, that's my ambition. Yeah, double date with Oprah and Michelle Obama. It has to be.
0: Viv, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Now it's time for Hits and Misses where the Daily Mail's writers turn their expert eye on the week's new releases and tell us what's worth downloading and what should be destined for the spam filter. But first up the Daily Mail's film man Brian Viner, still lots of films coming out
4: Brian. Yeah, plenty Jim. Yep, yeah, they're all they're all available to stream. Uh, there's a new one today on Netflix called Extraction which I've had a look at which is a, an all action rather brutal thriller starring Chris Hemsworth as a as that sort of cliche of this kind of film a former special ops soldier who's now a kind of freelance mercenary and his great speciality is in freeing kidnap victims around the world and in this particular film he uh, he has to go to Dakar in Bangladesh to free the kidnapped 14 year old son of a sort of international crime lord who's being kidnapped by another international crime lord uh, described as uh, Dakar's very own Pablo Escobar. So Chris Hemsworth, is basically just an excuse for Chris Hemsworth to um, look unbelievably kind of alpha male and shoot sort of baddies in the head at the rate of about one a minute throughout the entire film. He's it's probably the, 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 the biggest body count since the last John Wick film, uh, which you'll have seen, you know, the Keanu Reeves character who, um, you know, the body count is unbelievable in this film, though you wouldn't even begin to try and count, but uh, how many of how many people die but anyway and so it's directed by a a guy called Sam Hargrave who was a stunt coordinator on some of the Avengers films the Avengers films directed by the Russo brothers and they're the producers in this film and indeed Joe Russo has scripted it. So it's kind of very slick, as you would expect from uh, people of, from that pedigree, uh, but it's full of cliches. I mean, it's just one big cliché, actually, from beginning to end. The Hemsworth character uh, has a sort of dark past, and he's got a, uh, there's a tragedy in his past, which I won't share with you, so he's a sort of, you know, a bit of an emotional mess. Let's just listen to a clip.
0: It's a kidnapping. Drug lord's son.
2: Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago.
0: Brian, when you said it was called extraction, uh, it reminded me of the fact that under lockdown, more and more of us are removing our own teeth. Yeah. So was it like going to the dentist and <laughs> watching this?
4: <laughs> well, I did in, in, my, in my review in today's mail, I, I, I did make a, a dentist gag. Yeah, uh, it wasn't quite as good as yours actually. Yeah, it is a <laughs> bit like pulling teeth. But um, yeah, it is, it, extraction does sound like a bit, a bit like a sort of dental training video. And of course, <laughs> in, in this instance, the extraction refers to him, you know, trying to get this kid out of out of his own his very own lockdown. So yes, there are lots of opposite comments given the situation we're all in. You're going to ask me if it's a hit or a miss, and you know, it, if you love that kind of brutal, violent sort of you know a tat tat, people being killed all over the place all the time, then you know, then fair enough. But for for me, Jim, I think it was a miss. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people really do like brutal ratatat. Brian,
0: what, what's your other film? Is it is it as brutal as ratatat? <laughs> uh,
4: no, well, it is actually quite brutal. There's a film called Moffie, uh, M-O-F-F-I-E, uh, which is up on I think on Curzon Home Cinema from today. This is a very good film. It, it is set in South Africa in 1981, so apartheid era South Africa, uh, and it's about apparently at that time boys. Age sixteen and over all had to be uh, were, were comp- had to do compulsory military service. So it follows a boy called Nick, who is um, who's a teenager and who has to go and do his two years in the army. Uh, he's a sensitive kid. Turns out he's gay. Uh, at the beginning, we don't we don't recognise that, and we think that it's all about the sort of racism of apartheid era South Africa. There's a couple of, there's, a, there's one very disturbing image earlier on in the film where there's a, a black guy standing on a railway platform as a train goes by with all these new conscripts heading off to uh, serve in the army and they all shout you know, horrible abuse and, and physically assault him as well. It's, really, it's, it's quite disturbing. So at that point you're thinking, well, this is gonna be about racism, but actually it's not, it's about homophobia. Before any of that let's we'll just listen to a clip.
3: Everyone, uh, I know we we always say we're going to do this and never get to it. So thank you all
1: for being here and uh, for being with us to send off my firstborn, Nicholas, to do his military service.
0: So this is a, an interesting different kind of take on what we kind of expect of an apartheid story then.
4: Yeah, exactly. The uh, I mean the the Directors is a guy called Oliver Hermanus who is himself black or at any rate mixed race so all the more reason why you would think this, this is going to be a film about about racism but Moffy the title is apparently an Africana word meaning it's like a, a slur that you use against gay people that, you know faggot I suppose is the closest is the closest word that we have in our language so and so this guy forms an attachment to another conscript and, but they have to keep their kind of growing affection for each other very much suppressed it's not there's nothing graphic in it it's, there are no sort of sex scenes it's, it's, it's very sensitively handled um, and it, it makes you realise that the, 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 the intense homophobia of South Africa at that point was um, you know was, was really quite oppressive and terrible um, and we only hear about South Africa at that time especially through the movies this is a story well worth telling and it's told very well so no a um, hit or miss Brian well uh, und- undoubtedly a hit And Extraction's on Netflix, and where can we get Moffy? Uh, Moffy's on Curzon Home Cinema, Jim, so you have to pay for it. But, you know, as I say, it's it's worth seeing. It's very nicely done. The the brutality of the the army, I mean, you know, we're very used to scenes in in our own films about our own army, uh, you know, going in and being being kind of brutalised by the the drill sergeants and all of that. But somehow it works better in Afrikaans, which, if Afrikaner listeners will forgive me, is is very well suited to kind of shouting at people. Uh, So uh, there's plenty of that. A lot of it is is subtitled, actually. Um, But it's worth seeing. It really is. Now I'm joined by the Mail's music critic, Adrian
0: Thrills. Uh, like many people, Adrian, I don't think I've ever listened to so much music as I have over the last month or so. Um, I'm eager to know. Uh, what new stuff have you got for us this week?
5: Yeah, well, we have. I mean, new music does continue to emerge during the lockdown. And and this week in particular, there's a couple of really intriguing, very maverick uh, american female singers i think these these maverick american women are really they're keeping me going through the lockdown we've had we had waxahatchee last week and uh you know we had the brilliant laura marling album obviously a, a british performer um, and uh, there's another couple this week um the first is is the brilliant lucinda williams she is uh, she's a singer i first became aware of her back in the in the late 80s she released a brilliant record on on rough trade just called lucinda williams and uh i'm amazed to find out this week she's She's now actually 67 i was kind of still think, tripped in my mind she's forever young but she's she's now a bit of a veteran and she she started out really as part of the kind of nashville country school but she never really fitted in with that she was always too much of a maverick and also too much of a rock and roller really to kind of fit the the country bill she's she's got two huge fans in elvis costello and bruce springsteen i mean springsteen actually turns up a guest at her gigs not the other way around and um, uh, she she was supposed to be on tour at the moment but um, i read an interview with her last week and she's she's self-isolating in nashville with her her husband tom overby the producer and they're watching reruns of peaky blinders <laughs> she's, uh, but she's also found found time amid all that amid the peaky blinders reruns to release uh, another new studio album called good souls better angels and it's true to form it so it's a really rocking record it's got that kind of really dirty rock and roll sound it looks a a little bit it reminds me a bit in some ways of you know the stone's exile on main street or the white stripes it's kind of got a swampy blues feel even dr feelgood link ray it's got these kind of dirty uh guitars and it's uh her songwriting as always is excellent and she's taken a slightly different tack this time around in that she's, she's always written very personal songs road songs narratives you know trails of uh, and she trails along dusty american highways and bar rooms and uh you, you want to meet her in a barroom brawl i think she can look after herself quite well but um this time she's looking out beyond that a little bit and she's writing about kind of more kind of i guess social and political songs but it's 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 far from a political record you know she she deals with um kind of depression and abuse and um but but also it's 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 a very it's still quite an optimistic record i mean um, i think we're going to listen to a song called um called Big black train, and you uh, she just—she has just got one of the great American voices. its, it's kind of one of those, kind of drawled, honey and bourbon kind of voices. But maybe have a listen to the track. I can hear
2: it coming from miles away. I can hear it coming from miles away. I can hear it coming from miles away. And Aurora, they don't
0: i I like that description there Adrian. honey and bourbon. <laughs> uh, did, did seem to sum up her voice actually
5: yeah it's it's a lovely voice and uh in fact that's one of the kind of more you know she can do tender as well as tough that's one of the the kind of kind of ballads. there's a couple of really kind of optimistic ballads it's it's ultimately a very hopeful record and uh you yeah, i think that's it's, it's one that i'll be listening to again
4: so
0: lucinda williams hit or miss for you adrian she's it's absolutely a hit yeah and what else have you got for us
5: well, from a, from, a, from a tough cookie to, um, to someone who's kind of simply kooky, really, I think we've got, got the new um, album, Fiona Apple. She was like the Billie Eilish of her day when she emerged in the, the mid-90s alongside a kind of whole slew of American uh, female singer-songwriters, Tori Amos, um, Alanis Morissette these kind of uh, quite, quite kind of angry women who emerged in the aftermath of grunge. And, uh, but she, she had a huge hit with her first album title in 1996 and it sold like two and a half million copies. But she's, um, she's a New Yorker and she's since had a kind of quite an erratic career. This is a, she just released a new album, which is only the fifth she's released in 24 years. And it's, it's a very strange record. It's called, it's called Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which is named after a, a phrase that was in the BBC Crime drama The Fall uh, in a kind of particularly gruesome scene. It's an album she made at her, she now lives in, on the West Coast. It's got some very strange, jarring tempo changes. She uses what she calls her percussion orchestra, where she uses a series of kind of household appliances, rubber bands, oil cans, wood blocks kitchen utensils to provide the percussion but she also it's and it's a very strange up and down record there's some it's, it tackles her anxieties abusive relationships you know all, all the good things in life but um there's also some, some some quite weird dark humor there's a there's a track called under the table where she talks about uh, being a very awkward dinner party guest i think the line goes kick me under the table all you won't all you want i'm not going to shut up i think we've all been there. Uh, but there's also, she's a very gifted musician as well. And she's a lovely piano player. Um, I think we're going to listen to one of uh, one of the kind of more conventional songs, should we say, um, which is called Ladies. And I think this is about, it's a lovely pop soul. I think it's, it's about her inability to bond with other women. It certainly shows the range of her voice. She goes from kind of very low level husky, timbre to uh, to a kind of nice high falsetto.
1: Ooh, my nation's on the looming effect In the parallax view And the figure and the foam And the revolving door That keeps turning out
2: More and more Good women like you Yet another woman To whom I won't get through
0: I like the idea of um, her making up her own percussion. That is very locked down, isn't it? I think it we're is, all doing it? that. It, uh, Charlie it, Watts, we saw on the TV the other day, sort of uh, tried of to drum on, a, on, on on something he found Play, around. It seems
5: the TV. arms of his sofa, wasn't it? it was, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it has, certainly has that DIY spirit. It's a record that doesn't feel... Produced and glossy in the way that most American pop records these days do. And for you, a hit or a miss? Well, it's such a weird, weird record. It's almost it's beyond being just either a hit or a miss. It's just it's just plain odd. I mean, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because there's a few tracks that I really like on it. I think it's 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 got hits on it and it's got misses. But um, overall, I think it's just purely as being one of the, the most. We won't hear another record like this all year. So I think I'll, I'll kind of adjust on the side of hit.
0: And finally, Claudia Connell, the Daily Mail's television writer, Claudia, what have you got to lift the lockdown gloom?
1: This will lift the gloom occasionally, but it will it will it will deepen it as well. Um, it's afterlife. Uh, the Ricky Gervais sort of very black comedy that that's back today on Netflix. Um, there are six new episodes. Uh, people might remember from the first series, he played Tony, who was um, a local newspaper journalist who was just absolutely overwhelmed with grief after losing his wife. He just could not see a point in living. So it's come back for um, a second series. In this series, he's he's trying to get over things. He's trying to move on. He's, he's trying to be a nicer person to the people that he, he works with as well. I think we may have a,
4: a clip. When she died, everyone tried to help me and they sort of saved me. I feel that I should help the people who helped me. You look sad. Oh. Oh, that's a waste. I know a
0: guy who's really into you a terrific first series um uh, and uh, Gervais is obviously still very active and and roundabout has he managed to keep it up in this series
1: I I think he has yes I I don't know if you saw him on Graham Norton um, earlier in the week he was saying that this series more than anything he's ever done has attracted so much sort of attention from the public he said that you know everywhere he goes people will say that it, it speaks to him because it's such a really sort of realistic study of grief I think um and and he continues to do that very well he has developed the character because as I say he's making an effort to to be a better person he tries like in in this series he tries yoga he tries sort of everyday acts of kindness that don't actually work but (laughs) at least he gives it a shot and he's got a lot of supporting characters in this that really make the programme Joe Wilkinson plays the the postman that has no sort of sense of boundaries and Ashley Jensen is his potential love interest Emma who he, he really likes but he just can't get over the idea that he's being unfaithful to his dead wife, if he pursues anything with her. And it's really sort of moving. It's really beautifully done.
0: It, is it funny, though, uh, Claudia? I mean, it, it, um, he's you know, always mixed it, pathos and humour, but is, yes. is it funny?
1: It's really like hilariously funny in places. And then 10 seconds later, it's just crushingly sad. And he, he does do that very well. There's, there's, uh, there's one character in it that I, uh, Paul Kay plays the um, psychiatrist. And for me, he's the one thing in it that like, I think just doesn't work. His character is just too over the top and not believable. It's funny, but it's, it just sits uncomfortably with the rest of it.
0: But a hit or a miss? I, I, it's a hit it. Uh, and what else? Uh, is there well, there's round, on
1: Sunday, um, Normal People, a new drama, is starting on BBC One. And this is quite interesting because when this was filmed, it was filmed as a BBC box set, so for BBC Three streaming. But because the BBC have got like, no new programmes at all now, it's been bumped up to BBC One status. So it's based on the, the Sally Rooney novel from a couple of years ago that was, uh, it was shortlisted for the, the Man Booker Prize. And it was one of those books that when you went on holiday – Everyone was reading that book. And it's a story of two really quite intense young people who fall in love at high school and it follows their journey through university. And I, I think we have a clip here.
0: You were saying the other day that you like me. but By the photocopier, you said it? Yeah. yeah. Did you mean like as a friend or what?
3: No. Not just as a friend. Okay, I,
0: I thought that might be implied, I just wasn't sure. So we should have been watching this in the autumn. We're now watching it. Worth watching?
1: It, it is worth watching it's, there's 12 episodes but they're only half an hour long so it's, it's, it's quite compact and I wanna, I struggled with the book a little bit because there's lots and lots of really long descriptive passages and the great thing about TV is it, is it loses all of that and it it's all comes down to the dialogue and the performance the two young actors there's Daisy Edgar-Jones who plays Marianne and there's a, a new actor called uh, Paul Muscal who's this is the first thing he's ever done so and he's, he's brilliant in this and they have really good chemistry on screen together
0: so a hit or a miss for you this please. is another hit now uh, Claudia this week Chris Whitty, uh, the chief medical officer, has said that we're going to have to keep social distancing for a very long yeah. time, even after lockdown's gone. How on earth are we going to film any dramas? How are we going to do any television programs? How are we going to have a studio audience? What's going to happen to TV?
1: I can imagine the panicked meetings that are happening right now at, at sort of like BBC and ITV. There's, I think ITV have a couple new dramas in the bag. I don't know that BBC have anything new to pull out drama-wise. They may have some sort of like reality programs and cookery programs and things like that i i don't see how they can possibly film things i know we've got you know they've done graham norton is doing his show and is doing it via sort of zoom video link but it's you know it's just not quite the same it doesn't quite work and i i don't know that that's going to be enough for people
0: and of course you can't film a a, a historical drama because social distancing didn't exist in those times
1: It's true, yeah.
0: (laughs) Suddenly you've got Jane Austen with everybody two meters apart. It doesn't work.
1: (laughs) I think they're just not going to be able to make them. And we're we're just going to be increasingly relying on, I mean, Netflix. I think Netflix have got, they have attracted something like 16 million new subscribers just since lockdown. So people are just going to be watching old favourites and movies. Well,
0: now you know what you should be pressing the record button to catch and what really should be given the widest of social distancing. My thanks to Brian, Claudia, and Adrian. From the United States this week, we've seen pictures of freedom protesters wielding automatic rifles as they object to continuing lockdown measures. From the United States this week, we've seen pictures of freedom protesters wielding automatic rifles, objecting to continuing lockdown measures. One thing we know for sure, Jackie Stephen, the male's own 24-hour party person, wasn't among them. She has strictly followed the rules and stayed in her New York apartment. Jackie, I didn't notice you in the protests out with your uh, automatic rifle, saying that you weren't going to leave. You're still well into lockdown, aren't you?
2: Uh, Yes, I haven't been out at all. I went out for a brief walk, uh, but I'm not a demonstrating kind of person. Uh, I never have been. To me, it's people, demonstrations of people with Wellingtons who don't mind going out in the rain. I've I've (laughs) never been that kind of person. I prefer to demonstrate from my living room with a bottle of wine. So what have you been up to instead? I've been watching a lot of TV, as usual, reading a lot, cooking a lot. I've been doing uh, my YouTube channel. I was watching... Uh, with Stanley Tucci on it. He was making a cocktail for his wife and a groanie. And it went viral. Everyone was saying how sexy he was. They all wanted to sleep with him. So I had a go at making my own cocktail. I did a lychee cocktail on YouTube. It was great. I opened a tin of lychees, uh, poured them into a glass, and then topped it up with vodka. That was it. And nobody's asked to sleep with me. He's <laughs> obviously <laughs> doing something that I wasn't doing. Who else,
0: apart from Stanley Tucci, have you, have you noticed has gone viral then?
2: No one really, to be honest. Uh, I think that people are watching a lot of TV and film now. I think that we went through a stage at the beginning of watching a lot of YouTube, but it's very limited. You know, these are only five-minute clips, and it's very hard to be that fascinated. So you want to sit down to something much more meaty. I'm finding I catch up on a lot of old movies. I'm rewatching The Big Bang Theory, which I absolutely love. It's such a funny series. And coming up on May the 1st, actually, on Netflix, and you've got this in the UK as well, uh, it's Ryan Murphy's new series, Hollywood. And uh, it's Jim Parsons' first big role since leaving The Big Bang Theory, which ended its 10-year run anyway, um, a few months back. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in that. It also stars Darren Chris, who was in The Assassination of Johnny Versace. And he was fantastic in that. Uh, this is Ryan Murphy's really big show for Netflix. They commissioned him to do 10 series. They paid him $300 million, or rather it's a $300 million deal. And it's Netflix's highest deal ever. So we're looking forward to a lot of stuff from Ryan Murphy. And uh, is anyone
0: actually able to produce any uh, television at the moment? I mean, Netflix has got plenty in its cupboard at, uh, as we speak, but it's going to start getting a bit bare, isn't it? Because no one's producing new stuff.
2: It's not going to get bare in, in the States because they make their series in one go. If you compare what's happening in Britain, for example, all the soaps are on hiatus in Britain. They have enough to keep them going until the summer, possibly till about the beginning of July. But then if everyone's still in lockdown, the British soaps will finish in America. Every series is in the bag. So, for example, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, The Real Housewives of New York, they came back this week and there are about 16 episodes, so we've got about four months. Now, in the UK, it's a very different situation. For example, The Soaps will run out in about July because they're not filming at the moment. But in the States, it's a different production schedule. So they have Dozens and dozens of shows. There are a lot of big dramas coming up and they've already been made. They don't do stuff that's live because I suppose it's such a huge country and the budgets on these things are so enormous, they don't take any risks. It's not like they were waiting for a pandemic, but it's a very different shooting system from Britain and a different editing system as well. In Britain, the problem is that even... Though well, they've shot things, there's then all the editing to do. And the post production in the States seems a much tighter schedule.
0: The, the Real Housewives, uh, which seems to be a massive franchise over there, are they going to develop? Are we going to have the, the, the Real Housewives of Wichita? <laughs>
2: Well, you've already got uh, some sort of spin-offs. I think you've got the Real Housewives of. They can't call it the Real Housewives because it's uh, I think that that's Bravo's uh, franchise and Bravo's brand. But you have a Housewives one, I think, that's done somewhere around Liverpool or somewhere. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's an enormous franchise and they just keep making more and more of them.
0: And are you, will you be watching, Jackie? I mean, it's there, but are you going to be tuning in?
2: I love these shows. Up until recently, I was a fan only of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because there are just too many of them. And because I lived in L.A., I knew all the venues really well. Uh, I've just got into The house, Real Housewives of New York, which is very difficult because they all look alike. They're all 6 <laughs> blonde. Uh, it's like they've been cloned. It's you know those um, Russian dolls? You take one out and there's an identical one in the middle, but it's only slightly smaller. And this season on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, there's a huge scandal because one of the married women on it had an affair with one of the other women who was on series two and came, comes back only briefly. And Denise Richards, who was my Charlie Sheen, uh, ended up walking off because she didn't want to discuss it. That defeats the object in a way, because the whole point is you stay on the show and you discuss all the problems in your life. So everyone's a bit angry now that she walked off. And of course it's given them more scope to be able to discuss it at an even greater length.
0: What they need is the, the real Jackie Stephen of Hudson River View. What a great view from your flat.
2: It's funny you should say that. Was one of the ideas I put to Bravo. I never heard back from them. I asked them, why don't they do the real expats of... New York or Beverly Hills and there are enough of us here and yes the view from my window is fantastic I'm 31 floors up and I have those beautiful sunsets every night I'm finding it difficult not being able to go to the gym and not being able to swim my back's permanently bad I have very bizarre dreams I watched the talented Mr Ripley the other night and it's a very gruesome film starring Matt Damon and Jude Law who look barely out of their nappies in it and uh, I've been having really bad dreams since I had a dream last night but I chopped someone's head off and put it in a box and the head was still screaming in the box. And then I went to buy tickets for the proms. I have no idea what the connection was between those two events. But There's a lot of mixed up stuff going on.
0: There's only one thing to say to you, Jackie, paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> it's been great speaking to you. Have a great I mean, lockdown. You
2: as well. Okay, have a good weekend. And that's it from It's
0: Friday. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. And don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. If you'd like to drop us a line, we're on It's Friday at mailplus.co.uk. Until
2: next week, I'm Jim White. Stay safe.